0: Welcome to How To Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. St. Augustine once said, the world is a book and those who do not travel read only one page. Spiritual travel has always been a part of the Catholic faith in the form of a pilgrimage. But what is a pilgrimage anyways? Is it just a Catholic vacation? What's the significance behind this incredible tradition?
1: In the first part of this two-part series on pilgrimages, we will tell you the why behind this Catholic practice. Along the way, we'll share a Catholic hack about relics, and give you ideas on how you can practically begin to plan your own pilgrimage. Let's get started. Lent starts in 26 hours. I'm not ready. Me either. So let's podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you like avoiding what you're supposed to be doing? Because we do.
1: i supposed to. Well, I, yeah, there's not really like preparation. It's not like I need to do laundry for Lent or something, but I, I'm still debating about what I'm going to
0: do. Yeah. I know what I'm going to do. So I'm just like, I'm going to eat more and watch more. I'm I'm in the Tuesday mode. Yeah. That's how I'm getting ready. That's
1: how you're preparing for Lent. Yeah. Yeah. We did make donuts tonight. We did. Mm -hmm. It's true. Cause I picked up our son today and he told me tomorrow we're having a party. So I need a breakfast item. Thanks for the warning. (laughs) Guess we'll make donuts.
0: (laughs) Hey, but we have a donut maker. That's how much we like donuts in this family. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. This has a lot to do with our topic for tonight, doesn't it? It sure.
0: Well, it kind of does. Really? I think in some ways. I think Lint and our topic have some similarities. We'll explore those in in the show.
1: Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Well, today we are doing another two-part series we started to write the outline and realized that we could not do this. And it, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this.
0: I guess, yeah, we could. Like,
1: it could be like a...
0: Ooh, that like sounds like fun.
1: Yes, but... We won't.
0: We won't. Cause no, but in another life.
1: In another life. Oh, if I could do this for a living.
0: Hmm. How many podcasts would you do? Like, if you just like... If you had 40 hours a week.
1: Oh, I don't mean podcast.
0: Oh, you mean just... Our topic. I like how we're, we're, we're acting like we're keeping it a secret when when they open up the episode. It says what the title is. That's as if, true. As if they're not going to know until we say it. They mm. have no idea.
1: Tonight's episode is surprise. Yeah.
0: No, they know what it is.
1: How to do a pilgrimage. That's right. Yes, that is what I could do.
0: <laughs> Go on pilgrimages for a living. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now I'm with you. And I thought podcasting People is what do I that, you know. They do.
1: They do. Yep. Yeah, and we've actually been invited and approached by some pilgrimage companies to lead a pilgrimage, it's but true. I don't know, kids and <laughs> stuff. Yep, We have friends who do it, and I think it's the greatest thing ever. It's pretty cool. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that step, but we're going to talk about pilgrimages tonight because we as a family love pilgrimages. As we a couple, do. we love pilgrimages, mm. and so we are going to start-
0: individuals. You're just going through yeah. all the stuff. So even as individuals, we love pilgrimages. Even
1: individually, we each love pilgrimages. Mm-hmm. Two-part series. My point is, is we started talking about it and we realized there's so much to say. And I feel like even with two episodes, we can't say all there is to say.
0: Especially with banter like this. No. Lisa, mm-hmm. What what is a pilgrimage?
1: What is a pilgrimage? Well, a pilgrimage, well, I suppose you kind of have to look at it, I feel like, in light of what is it? different from or mm. what is it not mm-hmm. so a lot of times when we think of a pilgrimage we think of a trip yeah. which it doesn't necessarily have to be a big grandiose trip mm-hmm. you don't have to go far to go on pilgrimage mm-hmm. but you could and you can and how it differs when you do take a big trip pilgrimage how it differs from like a vacation it's like a pilgrimage versus vacation is when you're on vacation you're going with the lens of kind of like a sightseer mm-hmm Like you're going to watch and experience a culture maybe. But when you're going on pilgrimage, you're going to grow in holiness. Yeah. So really it's all about what is your end goal of your trip. Right. So it's not just for relaxation or for sightseeing, but you're going to grow in holiness. You're going to pray Mm -hmm. if you're going on a pilgrimage. And um, there's like a spiritual overtone to what it is that you're doing and you're visiting holy sites and things, which you could do that obviously. Right. Yeah. If you go to Europe, you're going to see people there who are not pilgrims who are visiting churches, mm-hmm. but then you're going to see people who you can tell are more pilgrims. They're more there for the spiritual aspect, not for the, wow, look at this architecture or look at this art or look at, you know, the history behind this. Although those aren't bad things, but that that's where it differs.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit, Similar to a mission trip, like you can go on a mission trip to help serve the poor. Or you can go on a mission trip. You're like, oh, I just wanted to go to a cool place. Like your purpose could change what that trip meant. Hmm. I think pilgrimages work And trips look a little bit. It's, it's all about your purpose, like the why of why you'd go.
1: Yeah. So which is why we're going to spend a lot of this first episode looking at this vision behind pilgrimages. Yeah. To help us understand what is the point and why would we go?
0: Yeah, so I was sledding with the kids this weekend and I was thinking about this episode while I was in the cold and walking up hills. And I was trying to think, like, what what is it behind a pilgrimage? Because I do feel like, you know, Christians for, you know, since earliest of ages have gone on pilgrimages. I do feel like um, Protestants go on pilgrimages, but it's more of a Catholic thing. I feel like there's a uniquely... Catholic element to pilgrimages.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, all things from Christianity started Catholic.
0: <laughs> yeah, most of them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I still think, theologically, there's something about a pilgrimages pilgrimage that's more Catholic than it is Protestant.
1: Right. Yeah, it's still in line with our theology, and not like, more so. and,
0: and not like Protestants can't go on pilgrimages. It's a Catholic thing. I'm not trying to say that, but it's more like, huh? There's something in the Catholic worldview that says. Pilgrimages are really important to us for a very unique reason. And I felt like if we didn't explore that or didn't understand that we wouldn't really understand why the church and why Christians and why Catholics have gone on pilgrimages before.
1: Right. Cause it's not just like a faith sightseeing tour.
0: Yeah. Cause when you think about it, you're like, wait, why do we go on pilgrimages? Like, why is that a thing? Like mm-hmm. why, 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 why is it different than a trip? You know, like what, really getting behind the why.
1: Okay. So why don't you dive into that? Yeah, so Let's I'm start there. Yeah, i give
0: you some of my contemplations during my, you know, sledding day. And I'd like to point out before I go into this, we're going to talk about a little bit about differences between Protestant and Catholic theology and salvation. And I am by no means an expert. I don't have like a master's in systematic theology or a PhD in justification
1: most people don't know what systematic theology is. So. Yeah,
0: it's just, just imagine theology. But um, so I'm not, it's, this is more amateur. So this is going to be like 30,000 feet and like painting with broad brush strokes. This isn't like an exact theology course lesson here. But I think it's really important to understand pilgrimages. So I'm going to do it even though I don't feel 100% equipped. Anytime you talk about salvation and justification, it's really it's like splitting hairs and, and difficult to say the exact thing.
1: This and is and sh- this is fun. I'm excited to see how you're going to tile this together. So uh, <laughs> dive right in. So
0: a little bit like a brief primer on the difference between Protestant view of salvation and Catholic view of salvation. We'll start with Protestants, and again, broad brushstrokes. But I'm going to r- write to Martin Luther at the heart of the Reformation. Um, his image for salvation was this idea that we were dung covered in snow. Poop. We're poop. Crap, right? So, like, this idea that, like, because of sin and because of original sin, like, we are corrupted. And in order to be saved, Jesus' death on the cross comes over us like snow. And when God looks upon us, we look pure and white because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But because it covers up the crap that we are. Is basically like, this is Luther's image. Like, these are the words he uses.
1: No wonder you were sledding when you thought of all this. Hmm. Mm. All that yeah. snow is turning your wheels.
0: So that idea behind this is that, yeah, Jesus uh, allows us to be saved. And this is part of the reason of like, again, uh, this isn't all Protestants, but this once saved, always saved. Because when we accept Jesus' salvation, like he covers us, in, no matter what we do underneath there, He's gonna, he's gonna save us. Like we can't lose that because that'd be, sa- that'd be saying Jesus' death on the cross wasn't effective, or that it didn't cover us. And so they'd say, well, that couldn't happen. Like we were always dung. Like we, we didn't get salvation. So that's a little bit of the Protestant perspective on salvation, but it's different than the Catholic approach. And that's where I think this really helps us understand pilgrimages. So Catholicism is all about transformation. So. Catholicism also believes that through original sin, we are corrupted. We have this darkness that surrounds us. But Catholicism believes that through God's grace, God's sanctifying grace, we can have transformation. The dung's not just covered in snow, the dung actually is sanctified and becomes something new.
1: And becomes holy and becomes more like God.
0: Mm-hmm. And rather than this idea of once saved, always saved, like this instant salvation. Where like if you accept Jesus in your life, like you are saved and you're saved forever, which is, you know, probably the extremism of Protestant here, but I think it's still worth saying. In Catholicism, it's idea that this transformation doesn't happen right away completely, but it happens over time, what people would call sanctification. Like you are sanctified, you are purified over time and becoming more like Jesus and that that, that dung, as Martin Luther would say, and I don't know if even with original sin, Catholics probably wouldn't call ourselves dung, but, you know, we, we definitely have original sin and an inclination to sin, but over time, our souls are actually purified and transformed to be more like Christ, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. So, Catholics' uh, theology on salvation, you know, at baptism, we are, we are saved through our baptism, and that starts that renewal process of taking away the effects of original sin, And then that sanctification takes place throughout our entire life. And then ultimately we're saved when we go to heaven. So there's this phrase that I've heard before with apologetics, which is really helpful, which is, um, you know, I have been saved through Mm -hmm. my baptism. I am being saved during my life on earth, and I will be saved when I go to heaven. And -hmm. it really wraps up a lot of what we see in the New Testament around salvation. Because when you read, this is why it's so difficult, when you read about salvation in the New Testament, like it can be kind of confusing because I'm saved by baptism, doesn't that happen as a baby or as an adult? And then I will be saved when I go to heaven, and then I am being saved. But I love this this idea in Catholicism because it really helps us understand that our salvation, yes, it has a beginning in baptism, but then we're being transformed. But ultimate, the ultimate prize is getting to heaven. Like St. Paul talks about, like, I don't want to lose my reward. But he also talks about, like, I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Like, if we're just dung covered in snow, like, you're not working out salvation, like in the Protestant view, it's already done. Mm-hmm. But it totally makes sense to the Catholic view that you'd work out your faith, your your salvation with fear and trembling. This is Philippians two twelve, because that's that's the process of growing closer to Christ and becoming like Him.
1: And I think process is a key word there. Like it's it's a process. It's not just a one and done. But for Catholics, like our salvation is always in process mm-hmm. until we get to heaven.
0: Yeah. Totally. Okay. After so, that, we can't get kicked out. Okay. Praise so we're, God. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, what does this all have to do? Again, that was a very quick primer on, you know, salvation. What does this all have to do with pilgrimages? And there's really um, this, all this theology, particularly the Catholic theology, influences pilgrimages in at least three ways that I can think of. There's probably more, but these are the three that came to mind as
1: you were the, sledding. I was sledding. Yeah. All that snow got you.
0: The first one is, um, you know, people need to become. Holy, like we believe that as Catholics we can become holy, and we're uh, on a, you know, on that way to become holy, so we can be sanctified, and that's what pilgrimages are for. So pilgrimages are these spiritual journeys that through which we're trying to become holy in the process. So like one way that Catholics often have noted this is and just trying to dive into lots of com- complex theology today. Fun is indulgences. So what's an indulgence? An indulgence, whenever we sin, there's not only the sin itself, but the effects of sin. So like if I sin against my wife, you, Lisa, What'd right? What'd you do? I don't know. Maybe I said something unkind to you, right? <laughs> and you could forgive me, right? But there's still effects of those sins, right? Like even if you forgive me, that doesn't mean it doesn't still hurt. right? right? And that's the same with our sin as well. Like when we sin against God, there's effects of sin. And that's what indulgence is all about is taking away the effects of sin because God can forgive us, but there's still that effect of sin on our soul because we've actually grown farther away from God, even though he's forgiven us.
1: Yeah. It's like on that path of holiness, we've taken some steps back.
0: Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the idea around pilgrimages and indulgences for pilgrimage is like, I want to become holy. Like I want to be a holier person. I want to draw closer to Christ. I'm going to go on this journey in order to do that.
1: Can I make sure to interject real quick? Yeah. Also want to make it clear that we do not believe as Catholics that we have to earn our salvation. Yeah. It's not like there's, if you get far enough close to the finish line, well, you know, like on the path to holiness, you know, you got to get to this point or you can't be saved Mm -hmm. ultimately at your death.
0: Yeah. That's that's a great point because that's a part of, I think, I have been saved through baptism. Like that's totally God's grace towards us. Like nothing we can do to deserve that. Like there's nothing we can do to deserve Christ's death on the cross. Mm -hmm. It's already done. It's a free gift entirely. But then we can respond to that and then become like him as we're, we're journeying through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Love that point. So we as people can become holy and that's what pilgrimages help us do. It's like a very concrete act of like, I wanna be more like Jesus. So I'm gonna go on a pilgrimage to have this spiritual journey to get closer to him. And if you don't believe that you can have that transformation or that happens over time, then a pilgrimage doesn't really make sense. As it's much. just a
1: cool vacation now. Correct. Yeah. Or sightseeing. Yeah. Christian sightseeing. And
0: and obviously like Protestants still believe that like you can grow closer to God or like deeper in your faith. Like don't want to like not say that. Mm-hmm. But just that unique aspect of Catholicism of saying like I'm conforming myself to Jesus Christ and I need to be sanctified and I'm in this process of transformation, a pilgrimage really makes sense for that. Amen. Second thing that I think pilgrimages are all about is that we as Catholics believe not only that people can can become holy, but that things can become holy. Now, this is like a very Catholic idea is that material things can become holy. Like water. Like holy water, yeah, right? Or or even like ho- the holy land, right? Like that land is actually holy. It's
1: kind of sacred. They're s-
0: yeah, they're sacred places. And so we believe these uh we about our, our churches. Uh we have a sacraments, we also have like sacramentals, like holy water, things that become holy. Um and we believe that saints, like again, because we believe people can transform and become holy, like saints become holy and not, even, not only they become holy, like their bodies become holy and that's where we get relics. Um, we believe sites can be home, become holy, like particular places where apparitions have happened. Like there's something sacred and trans- that's been transformed. Like a material thing has been transformed. It's very like sacramental theology. That's what we break. Like bread and wa- wa- wine can become the body and blood of Jesus. Like that's a material thing transforming into something holy. So it's totally Catholic in nature, and so what pilgrimages do? It says, "Oh my gosh, there's a thing like a saint, or a person in that case, or a thing like a apparition site or a holy place that we want to go to, because those holy things can help us become more holy." And and that's what that's why pilgrims were so important, because we're like, "I'm on this journey that's going to make me holy to go see things that also can help me make more holy."
1: It's all about holiness. It's
0: all about holiness. Yep. That's why it's so huge. And this is also biblical. It's not like just a Catholic, oh, this is just a fun Catholic idea. Like in the gospels, we see like the woman with a hemorrhage, she comes to Jesus and touches his cloak and like is healed of her of her disease. Or I think in Acts of the Apostles, like the apostle's shadow covers people and they they, they just are healed by their shadow. Um, even in history, like when we saw St. Paul's tomb, they said they're like, people started coming to St. Paul's tomb and like touching his tomb with their clothes to get relics, like even in the hundreds, like very, very early on. Like there's this idea in the Jewish culture and the early Christian culture, which obviously is the Catholic culture becomes a Catholic culture, that things can become holy. And like that helps us become holy. Mm-hmm. So those are the first two things. And then the last part about have all these things having to do with pilgrimage with Catholic theology on salvation is I think um, pilgrims are just a great symbol of our journey to holiness. It's like a a mini version of our life. So it's like throughout our whole life is almost like a a lifelong pilgrimage. We can see our life as this lifelong journey that we're living out, that we're going through different moments where it might be easy and uh, the the journey's great and other parts where it's really difficult and we have to navigate certain things to get through it. And all the while we're heading to heaven, which is this holy place. But instead of heaven in this situation of pilgrimage, like we're heading to this holy site, So I think it like mirrors our life's journey. And so it helps us like put all that in perspective as well.
1: Yes. And I'm fleshing this out in my mind right as we're talking here, but you know, you see this a lot in the old Testament too, like the way that they would go to Jerusalem for certain feast days yeah, or where they would do the Passover to represent the Exodus. Hmm. And so there's, this isn't just like, oh, the Catholics created this. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. No, like this has always been a part of the one true God.
0: Even you think about like the temple, like what's at the heart of the temple?
1: The Holy of Holies.
0: Yeah. So like that surrounded their whole worship was like, we're here because there's something sacred and we need to travel on pilgrimage, like Mm -hmm. at different feasts and times of the year to go to this sacred place Mm -hmm. because there's, a place there's a thing that's sacred. And if we're going to be holy people, like we need to go there. Mm-hmm. So one yeah.
1: of my theology books was called Holy Land, holy people. Yeah,
0: I actually thought of that title as we were talking. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the whole book is about how, it, oh gosh, I'm going to botch this. I hope Dr. Gizek never hears this. Um, mm,
0: I hope he does. Keep going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he goes to our parish too. He's one of the professors at the Augustine Institute taught me old Testament. And in the whole book was just surrounded around this idea that like ultimately that is our call is to be holy people dwelling in a holy land. Like that was mm-hmm. God's intention from the beginning was for us to be in the Garden of Eden and to be with him in this holy place and to become holy people in this holy place where he dwelt. And then sin separated us and the whole point of the Old Testament is bringing us back into that communion with him mm-hmm. to become holy people again. Ultimately, the holy land where we will dwell is heaven.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so there's total like mirrored symbolism of, yeah, that, that pilgrimage, that journey to something holy and, like, our whole lives leading to holiness. So these are all my thoughts while sledding, which is kind of fun. <laughs> but I do think, and you probably listening to this and me like, I didn't know pilgrimage could be so theological. And that was, like, a a hack job of all that theology. But I was trying to give it very quickly and not, like, super academic or, like, do a bunch of research because it is complex. But I, I think it's worth it. Like, that is... Um, I think helps understand the background for pilgrimages and like why they're important and why as Catholics they're, they're really a great part of our tradition and and why we should engage in them.
1: Speaking of hacks. Yeah. You said it was a hack job. Yeah. Um, I'm changing our hack right here on the fly. That's exciting. Yeah. I just thought of a hack that um, I should share. So it actually ties into, usually we try to keep the hack outside of, the theme of the day, but it's just too perfect not to. And if I don't say it now, I might forget it for another right. episode. Well, well, well. So we were talking about going to these sites to go to these because because things can be holy and places mm. can be holy and, mm. and relics and things. So this is the hack. So what I do whenever I you know. how? OK, so if you take a rosary and you touch it to a relic, it becomes a third class relic. Yep. Okay, so relics, I should probably explain, have different classes. So a first class relic is a part of the the saint's body. So it's a bone. It's a piece of hair. It's them, right?
0: I feel like we should do a how-to relic some point in time. Yeah, because this is also is weird if you're not yeah, Catholic. Yeah, but you get, it's like the depths of weird. It's like, wait, yep. we cut up the bodies and you touch them to things? That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> and then they become holy? That's right. Welcome to the Catholic Church. <laughs> A second-class relic is something that they touched or they owned. It's like something that that they, when they were alive, encountered mm-hmm. and had possession of. A third-class relic would be when you have something that is touched, something that has been touched by them or that was them. Mm. So what I do is when we ever encounter relics, I want to turn something into a third-class relic of that thing, but the danger with touching like a holy card or a rosary is you forget which ones were touched to the relics and then you've got this third-class relic and you've forgotten. Mm. So what I do is my wedding ring is the third-class relic. So anytime I touch, anytime I'm around a relic, I touch the relic, or I touch my wedding ring to the relic. Oh, wow. And then now my wedding ring is a third-class relic of like probably 50 to 100 saints and holy objects. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. You didn't clock. know that? No.
1: Yeah. There was a time wow. at our parish where we had this like r- relic show, like oh, road man. show. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally like hundreds of relics were there from different saints. And I just went around and prayed with and touched my wedding ring on all of those things. And so like my wedding ring is a third class relic of the true cross, for example. Well. Because I've had the opportunity to pray with an encounter. Pieces of the True Cross, and so I have touched my wedding ring to it. So yeah. all these different saints. So, so that's that's the hack is you might not be married, so you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? But find one object that is with you always. So maybe that is you have a cross that you wear all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, find one object that is always. I'm like car keys. That's, <laughs> but maybe not that. It needs to be something that's holy in itself. It's like my wedding ring is blessed already. So then it, yep. the blessing. Is
0: yeah, you know, like multiplied. T- like, I will now touch my wallet to all these. Drugs. <laughs> yeah,
1: my credit card.
0: <laughs> I will always have that credit card.
1: Mm-hmm. But you maybe, know? maybe if you are like, I don't have something like that, well, then go get something like that. Go get a beautiful cross that you wear at all times, or that mm. you, uh, uh, one particular rosary that you know this is my third class relic rosary. But if you are married, it's simple because you just use your wedding ring. Yeah, that's the hack. Okay. On the fly. We'll use the next one another time. Great.
0: Probably from part two.
1: Yeah, we could use it in part two. Awesome. Okay, so we've gone through the first half here. See, I knew we needed more time. (laughs) We're already at 26 minutes. Okay, let's look at the why uh, behind pilgrimages. Like, Why would you go on a particular pilgrimage to begin with?
0: Yeah, so the first part was a lot of... The why, like, why pilgrimage is like, what's the theology behind it? And yeah, the, sec- the vision and theology Yeah, and the second part is a lot of like, you need to find your why. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to go on a journey, like, you've heard all this theology, and maybe some of it, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Other parts are like, I'm not sure. But like, maybe you're inspired to go on a pilgrimage. Like, I think you need to start with, well, why am I going? Because I think a lot of times you can, it can bleed into like, I just want to go on a cool trip. And it's like, that's not a reason to go on mm-hmm. a pilgrimage. Or...
1: I just want to see Europe.
0: Yeah. Or um, I'm not sure why I want to go. Like there's just this episode on it um, and it sounds cool, but like you need to know your particular why because that you really want to have that when you're going on the pilgrimage and and really pursuing that and asking God to help you with that and going after that rather than just aimlessly going on a trip, if that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So So what are some things to consider?
0: Yeah. So I was trying to think through... um, you know, finding your why could be a lot of different, you could be in a lot of different states of life. And I was just like, huh, let me just throw out some whys for different people. So I was like, maybe you're a family and like you find yourself every Sunday, like you go to Mass, with, then you just like watch TV the rest of the day. And you're like, we're supposed to be on this family who's like a journey, we're on a journey to holiness. But I always, it just feels like we're not, you know? There's like a disconnect between what you want and where you're at. So you might say, well, we're going to visit a church, like a new church every Saturday or maybe every Sunday afternoon or whatever it might be. And we're just going to go on pilgrimage because it's a spiritual journey. It doesn't have to be to Europe. It could be like in your town, in your city. And we're just going to go to a different church and learn about it because it's going to be cool to go to holy places to become holy, but also just a reminder every week that like, hey, like as a family, we're on a journey to holiness and remind ourselves like that's what we're trying to do, you know, because that, That trip itself will just put you in a different state of mind.
1: See, my mind's turning again here. And I remember some friends I know who their goal was to go see every park in their town. And they had Mm. a list of all the parks and they highlighted them when they went to visit them. Yeah. It'd be super cool to find out all the parishes.
0: Mm. that
1: are in whatever vicinity you want. Maybe it's a 10 mile radius. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 20 and have that list printed out. And as a family, try to visit all of those parishes, not necessarily for mass, but just to go and just see the parish and to pray. And that could be really cool. Or if you're really crazy, your whole archdiocese. Mm. Wow. Whoa. That'd be crazy. That'd be several hundred churches most likely, but maybe that'd be really fun to set a goal.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like, we want to visit 10, or maybe during Lent you're just like, that's what we're gonna do every Saturday. Like find, you know, you can do pilgrimage in different ways. Maybe if you're single, like for certain people who are single, I think pilgrimages are great. Maybe you're going through transition. Maybe you need to reflect like, where's God taking me right now? Like, where is he taking me already? And what can be thankful for? And then like, where do I think God's leading me? And pilgrimages can give you that insight of like, okay, I really want to reflect and think about this journey that God's taking me on and and be thankful for those spots. And also like, what are those times where it's been rough, but he's helping and guiding me? Like pilgr- pilgrimages can do that.
1: There's very much a retreat element to pilgrimages.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: It's not always guided or there aren't talks necessarily. Maybe Mm -hmm. there are. Mm -hmm. Depends who you go with. But there's very much this stepping back retreat feel to a pilgrimage.
0: Yeah. Or maybe uh, you're a mom and like you stay at home and like life is great, but it can also be like really intense and you need to just take a step back and be like, I need to go on pilgrimage to see the journey that God's taking me on. You know, like I need to get out of the day to day that's becomes very normal, and maybe mundane and see like, what is God doing with my life and where is he taking me? And like, I need that time away to like go on a journey and see how my life's a journey because it becomes monotonous or whatever that might be.
1: Are you saying I get to go to Europe?
0: If, I'm saying if you need to go on a pilgrimage, you can go. <laughs> it
1: doesn't have to be to Europe. It yes. doesn't have to be to Europe. There's that um, like, yeah, retreat similarity to it there.
0: We have a favorite friend on Instagram that we both like who's very funny. Mm-hmm. And she recently went on a mission trip and she's also running a marathon. And I don't know much about her personal life at all, but I just think that's so great. I think she has six kids mm-hmm. and life's very full. And I was like, that's great to, and she's going with like a really good friend to, on the mission trip and a really good friend on a marathon I'm like that's so healthy like you need to step out mm-hmm. of where you're at and see like life in a different perspective and that's what a mission trip or a pilgrimage or a marathon will do like mm-hmm. you'll you'll make the equation you know and I think there's just something really healthy
1: about that mm-hmm. that's a whole other episode we need to do how to mom we need to do how to dad we should Ooh. do how to mom
0: maybe next season
1: next yeah it'll have to be next season yeah
0: and the last one is, like, maybe you're an older couple and, like, you've lived life's journey and, like, a pilgrimage can give you a reflection on where God's taking you. But, you know, there's more to life and, like, where this next step of your journey is, you know? So, anyways, I was just brainstorming, like, whys. And whoever's listening mm-hmm. to this, you might have a completely different why. Or you picked out different things from different people or your own thoughts. And But the point is, with all this, is, like, find your why. Like, mm-hmm. have that why. Because I think that'll help you understand even like not only why to go, but like where to go and how to go and what, what you're after, you know? Because until mm-hmm. you do that, you might just end up going on a trip or going on something that you're like, oh, this is cool. But like what does God want you to experience right now and why? why?
1: Yeah, and I would say personally for some of the pilgrimages that we've gone on, we went as a family to Rome on pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't just to take our kids to Europe so we can be cool. There's a specific why behind it. We were taking our kids to say thank you to Mary for the blessing of our daughter, Grace. And that's yep. a whole other story, but I'm, I know we've told it on the podcast before. Or for us, we decided when we got married that every five years on our on our five-year anniversaries, so 5, 10, 15, 20, that we were going to go to a Marian apparition site to thank Mary for the previous five years and to ask her to bless the next five years, so we, we just built that into our marriage and said this is something that we need to do to strengthen our marriage as a couple, and this is something we need to do to help us to take a step back and reflect on the five years and grow in holiness together, and and that's something that we we've made a priority and we've made financial sacrifices so we can make that possible, and you know we we've said no to certain things so we can say yes to that every five-year pilgrimage
0: which is a great transition to what we've been doing next episode because you know as you listen to all this wherever are at in life you know and, and whatever you feel like you can do for a pilgrimage our next episode in part two we want to give you a lot of the different places how to discern where to go and understanding like different pilgrimage ideas Because, you know, even as Lisa's mentioned before, like in your own archdiocese, like it doesn't have to be to Europe. It doesn't have to be crazy expensive. We want to help you discern where to go, but then also how to actually go there. Like what are some best practices? What are some best tips? Um, Because we've learned a lot in in doing our own. And um, it's just fun to think through all the different ways you can go on pilgrimages from a very simple day pilgrimage in your hometown to a far off, you know, the Holy Land, whatever it might be. And just to help you think about how you could actually uh, you could actually do that?
1: Mm, yeah, we are we are going to get down to some nitty gritty practicals because everybody thinks this just crazy. But when we took our family to Rome, we didn't pay for a single flight and mm-hmm. we didn't pay for our hotels. Yep, we paid for food basically. Yep, because all the churches are free. Yep. So it, it might seem like that's impossible. I could never go. It. No, it's not. Yeah. You just have to know how to play the game. So we'll we'll share some of those tips and tricks on how we did that. So. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of the really cool pilgrimage sites, like I love to talk about the four biggest pilgrimage sites in for medieval Europe. I don't know if you could name them. They're really fun. But we'll mm-hmm. we'll see next time if our listeners can name those. And then just a bunch of other sites because I, I think there's never been more pilgrimage sites to go to. And um, really incredible stuff and really important stuff for us to see as Catholics if we can.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So how to challenge here. Yeah. Our how to challenge is we want you to begin to brainstorm one pilgrimage you can take this Lent, mm. which means it's, it's likely going to be local. Yeah. But start to research your area, research your diocese. Maybe there is a really cool shrine that you just didn't know about, or maybe there's a really beautiful, holy place that you are not aware of so start to kind of research a bit about church diocese or maybe it's just going to uh the parish next door that you've never been to or going to the cathedral or something but start to think about one place you could go maybe you do it on a friday in lent as part of your penance or maybe you go on a sunday i don't know yeah but plan one
0: pilgrimage maybe you go to hawaii there's a pilgrimage site there we can talk about next time And Southwest just opened up tickets for like $49 each way from some cities to Hawaii.
1: I had a friend this morning, I was talking to her and she said, yep, we booked flights for the family. There's six of them. (laughs) Her sister lives in Hawaii. So, you know, she's like, really cheap flights to Hawaii. My sister lives there. This is a no brainer. Yep. That's awesome. Super excited for her. All right. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter and with no E. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a rating and thank you to those of you who have. It means a lot to us and add it to your podcast subscriptions tell a friend all these things help us get the word out about how to catholic until next week be saints it's worth it